0: After 32 years, I came out of the closet as a gay Christian pastor. Finally, on the outside of that suffocating prison, I'm looking around and I'm like, we can't stay here. It's not enough to become informed. We have to do something about the harm we're still witnessing within systems and spaces we've been loyal to for so long. It's time we become reformers. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Confessions of a Reformer. I'm your host, Mike Mayashiro, and I've got a guest with me today, not doing a series. This is just something that was like, kind of came up for me at the, as I'm like thinking about the end of season three on my podcast, this was something that I wanted to do. So I reached out to this person and was like, hey, would you do this with me? And he was like, yeah. So um I want to introduce you to Tyler Williamson. Say hi, Tyler. Hello. Tyler is a coaching client of mine. Actually, we've been working together for almost a year and a half now, so a little over a year. Um, and the interesting thing is, like, Tyler and I knew each other well before any of this gay drama came up in either of our lives. In years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I wanted, to just inter- I-, I wanted Tyler to come on to my podcast for you to hear his story, his journey. Tyler is a unique individual in and of himself, but then also the way that he's approached his coming out process. I really appreciate the the level of intentionality and due diligence that he's brought to this experience, and it's been a delight as his coach to like be here to support him in the process, help facilitate that journey. You know, just watching him evolve and grow has been so rewarding, and I just wanted to share some of that with you. So, um, Tyler, first thing, big disclaimer: you don't need to share anything here you don't want to. I hope obviously you know that, but like I just want to say that here um but you also don't need to filter yourself so if you need to like drop whatever kind of however you want to express yourself just please know you are free to do so my audience knows they just get to filter and, and like sort through whatever they need to and it's not your job to manage that for them so please be yourself um but firstly uh why don't before we say anything about you know where you came from and our history and all that like I would just love for people to know like who are you in the world now what do you do currently before we jump into the past
1: yeah for sure um I'm Tyler Williamson. I live in Birmingham, Alabama. um, And I work at a really cool coffee shop and restaurant here in town called Frothy Monkey. Frothy is a a Nashville based chain. um, So there's a bunch of them kind of in the South, Nashville, Birmingham, Tennessee areas. um, And I help manage the frothy here in Birmingham. I make coffee and serve drinks, um, (laughs) serve tables, help run the front end of the restaurant. And I love Frothy because Frothy has a big pride flag hanging in the dining room of our restaurants. Um, and so it's been a really beautiful place for me to be in this season of coming out. Um, a wonderful community for me to be a part of. So that's a little bit of what I'm doing in life right now.
0: Great. Love it. Thanks. So let's jump into firstly, like, Tyler, how do we know each other?
1: I'm going <laughs> to let you go into <laughs> Uh yes well first off I'm glad we're friends and I'm glad that you're my coach, <laughs> um and I first became aware of who Mike Mashiro is when I was a student at BSSM, eleven years ago.
0: For people who maybe somehow don't know what BSSM is, would you mind unpacking the that for
1: Bethel a School of Supernatural Ministry, old Hogwarts for Christians? Yeah, nice. <laughs> eleven years ago. 11 years ago. So I did first year or started first year in 2012, and then I did all three years of BSSM. So I stayed there until 2015. Um, And I think I first ran across you um, because I volunteered for some conference. Um, I was kind of one of those people that was like, I want to get my money's worth. I want to have all the experiences while I'm here. Like, so and so famous prophetic person is coming to speak at the prophetic conference. So, I'm going to volunteer because I need to be in the room where it happens. Um, and I think that you were like the person that checked me in and told me where to go. And um, over my time there, I think you were Bethel man <laughs> on the <laughs> announcements. Um, and then I started just seeing on your Instagram page the mic board and posts that you were sharing and just felt like dang like these are some of the more truthful things that i've heard anyone say this feels like god um and so i was really inspired by the way that you were communicating about god and who god was and what truth is like what the nature of truth and the nature of love is like so i became a big fan of yours early in my bethel journey
0: nice thanks that's awesome i've Kind of forgot about the mic board for a second there. Um uh, remember how I used to do that? That's crazy. Also,
1: I do want to say I remember I don't know if I was in second year or third year, but I saw you posted somewhere on your social medias that you were starting spirit coaching for people.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And it was like 20 bucks to do a spirit coaching trial session with Mike as he's learning how to coach. And I remember signing up for that and meeting you at the mall in the food court to do a spirit coaching session.
0: I don't remember that, dude. Yes, I remember it. I mean, I believe you, but whoa. Yeah, humble beginnings. My goodness. <laughs> wow. That was before I had novice an and everything. That's why in the Reading mall. Wow wow blast from the past i've been your coaching client for over 10 years technically (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome okay great so that's where we met and so just to give some context for tyler when i my first impressions of tyler and that just continued to to be him is tyler like was someone kind of like what he described who like dove in head first and fully immersed himself in whatever he was invested in and like Wrote all the rides and like, you know, jumped in and, but especially I think relationally, like just really invested in people and, you know, prioritized his connections and the way he influenced his space just continued to be diligent. And like, what's the word I want to use? Like the responsible sounds so sterile, but like there was a responsibility and like an honor, honorable like intentionality with how he continued to show up in spaces, so I remember yeah you like volunteered a few times, but you and I kind of overlapped a couple times with stuff and I just remember thinking like oh this person is a reliable, consistent, like present person right that was that had always been true, and so you know, given like our coaching history now like that also has shown up in the way you've approached coaching, which I think is so rewarding. Um, Anyway, so. Tyler you let's I want to hear your story. obviously you can share as little or as much as you'd like about your journey. but after 2015 you left you left bevel I did. okay what happened next?
1: um so I was in the like ministry world for a long time. So grew up in a religious home um more religious uh like legalistic kind of rules, kind of base culture. I mean it wasn't until I was a senior in high school that I really would say like I had a spiritual awakening or encounter with God. But when I did, I kind of was like all in. So I went to um like a Bible school here in Alabama for a couple of years. Um worked at a summer camp in California for a bunch of years on staff, and the summer camp in California uh, is how I happen upon Bethel. Um so Redding, super northern California. The camp that I worked at was like two hours north um, in California, so not too far away from Oregon in California. And so that was my world for a long time was I went to this Bible school, traveled to Israel, got to experience the Holy Land, um, experienced Bethel for the first time, started learning like there's a person called the Holy Spirit, um, started experiencing like supernatural things and... And i learned that i really love people and that somewhere inside of me was a leader and somewhere inside of me was someone who wanted to help and serve others and so ministry was just like i want to do full-time ministry for the rest of my life and i want to change the world um and so i went to bethel really is like i want to get prepared to do ministry and i want to be like a supernatural person who represents god and who does the thing that jesus does things that jesus does and changes the world um so when i wrapped up my time at bethel part of me wanted to stay and be a revival group pastor Um, that door didn't open up to me but the summer camp that i worked at offered me a job on full-time staff um so i took that and worked there for three years on full-time staff um and that was <clears throat> so many of my my Christian ministry, Bible school, discipleship school experiences were really rewarding and beautiful. Um, and I, I would say that I had experiences in those places that I felt really loved and championed and empowered. And I'm very grateful for that. <clears throat> those things have molded my life and shaped my life in really beautiful ways. Um, But underneath all of that was this reality that I liked Boys, um, and so when I like first got saved, I was like, I have to tell someone. Like, I like boys and girls, and I'm not really sure what to do with that. Um, <clears throat> and so when I first shared that with someone, um, this it was a lady who was like an intercessor, a prayer person at the summer camp that I went to with, with my stepdad and she took it really well and was kind. Um, and then when I went to this Bible school, I shared like, Hey, I, I like guys and they took it well and were kind, but there was always this undercurrent of like, thank you for being vulnerable and courageous and sharing this with us. That must've been hard. And you know, you can't do any of that. right like you know like being gay is a sin so i know this must be hard but don't be gay now and also this thing of like and we don't really know how to help you or what to do with you or what to tell you but like jesus probably does so good luck um And so that was always something that was behind the scenes. And there were places of not feeling like I fit in or feeling misunderstood. Um, But I was just trying to figure out life and make God happy. And I think if I'm going to be really honest, I was always really ashamed and kind of secretly hated myself because... I think the thing that I believed was the worst thing that could ever happen was me being gay. And that it would be the worst thing. Yeah. That I'd be in trouble and get punished and that everyone would reject me. And that if I did decide to embrace that part of myself, that God wouldn't love me anymore and that I wouldn't be a Christian anymore and that I'd burn in hell or something. So it was a dichotomy of experiences, Um, loving, like knowing God and things that I was learning about God and experiencing God in powerful ways, but also feeling a ton of shame and fear and feeling like I'm not really fully myself and I'm not allowed to be. And if I was, I'd be punished and rejected. Does that make sense? (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes, that makes sense.
1: Great. So I'm not the only one who felt this.
0: Like I have an idea of what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> um,
0: yeah, really painful, <laughs> really frustrating. Okay. So the next part of the story that I'm aware of is like way later, like a year and a half ago. Um I came out publicly on February 1st of 2022. Mm-hmm. A lot of drama, a lot of chaos, and shortly within that window of me coming out, I got a DM from you on Instagram, or maybe it was a text message.
1: It was a while I think it, it was, was a while, deal. it yeah. was like a few months before I messaged you. Okay. So that,
0: yeah, yeah. I think like the, the three or four months after me coming out felt like a blur. It was just so like day in and day out. I was like, you know, fighting all these
1: like crazy yeah. messages. I made and... my public coming out post not long ago. So I I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so it didn't feel as long as,
0: but you're right. It was like kind of on the later end of that wake. I got a text message from you I forget what you said exactly but um I remember the feeling I had after I read your text and so I want to go into this part of the story but I don't know I don't want to jump ahead if there are other things you wanted to share between let's catch
1: up and get to there
0: okay um so I remember reading your text and just feeling this lightness and like excitement and hope in my soul for you um, I think I was a little surprised. Like, I don't think I ever like thought about you being queer back then. I didn't really think about that. So when you came out, when you were like hinting at like, Hey, I was like, <laughs> Oh my God, Tyler's gay. And yeah. I was like so happy for you that you would even message me. I was like, that is, that takes guts. Like that is, that was a statement. That was a choice, right? That was a, uh, you know. I um, I'd already started kind of publicly de- deconstructing a little bit, and you had, like, kind of been a little bit in my world, you know, a little bit here and there, so you weren't, like, a stranger, and so when you sent me that text, I was like, oh, shoot, like, Tyler's life's about to change, and I was so excited for you, and I don't remember what I said or whatever, but at some point in there, you, like, you know, asked about coaching, and I was like, dude, let's go, mm-hmm. um, so then we started coaching, I think, a few months later. Yeah, not oh, long after. Yeah. Um, do you want to pick up on what was going on in your head at that, at that point in the story?
1: Yeah. So, um, 2015, I'm just happy working in full-time ministry. Um, and the summer camp that I was working at in so many ways, such a beautiful place. Um, and in other ways, like the more I got, to work on full-time staff and experience the inner workings of the organization the more i got hurt um which was just heartbreaking um i started experiencing um just yeah just people treating me in ways that did not feel like love and did not did not feel like jesus um people yelling at me and screaming at me um people asking me to do things that were immoral and or illegal at times um and just a lot of manipulative confusing controlling behavior um it was really heartbreaking um and
0: while you're saying that me just want to throw in contextually Tyler can say these words now, like, you know, after yeah. these experiences. But when those things I'm saying this from obviously just like working with him through this process, but also having had gone through it myself my own way, when you're going through this stuff and experiencing this treatment and this behavior from these people that, you know, like typically are in like a superior position to you, you don't identify it right away as those words as manipulative, as illegal, <laughs> as coercive, as dominating, as abusive. You don't use that those words. You don't have that filter. Um, most of it is you fearfully reacting and trying to survive and take care of yourself because they are in such a powerful, important position. And you are in such a vulnerable, subservient place that even the dynamic itself puts you at a reactionary, like unsafe position that doesn't even allow you to coherently process what's happening. Mm -hmm. And so for the record, he can easily say this and it's all just neatly packaged and like identified, but that took work. And like years later. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, just wanted, <laughs> I just wanted to throw that in as you just, you know, like are just stating that. I'm like that, even just Tyler being able to say that there was an investment and a cost to get to that point of acknowledging what happened. Cause even like admitting that is like feels like betrayal to the culture, to people, to relationships, to things you hold value as like high values in your life. You're like, I can't call this person a, an abuser because they loved me. Right. It's like anyway I just wanted to point that out there's go ahead thanks for saying that
1: Mike it's it's still hard to talk about um and you know I think in the moment I was like something's not okay like I felt emotional reactions to the things that I was experiencing that felt wrong and unjust um and you know I'd had moments of walking into my friend's office and she's in tears because the guy who was in charge of the place just came and yelled and screamed at her and told her what she was doing wrong Um, so much so that there was even a term for this main leader of this organization coming and yelling and screaming at people Um, and usually they would be found in tears afterwards after interactions with this person Um, and people joked about it Um, and to me those things weren't okay I'm like this is not what i signed up for this is not feel like jesus this does not feel like love this does not feel like what has been communicated as the expectations in the culture that we want to create and so when i spoke up about it um i kind of just got gaslit and invalidated and told like hey like you're being too sensitive um you know this main leader we know he has some issues but he's the one who founded it and he's god's anointed one um, and you know, all of our staff was required to read this book called The Bait of Satan by John Bevere, which the Bait of Satan that he talks about is offense. And so we were required to read this book about not being offended and how offense ruins organizations. Um and when I went to one of my leaders and shared with them, like, hey, I'm having issues with what's happening here, they were like, Oh, well, you're just like king david and this guy's like king saul and the lesson here is to learn how to dodge spears and to not fight back when someone is mistreating you or others so this is just part of developing christian character um and so that was all really hard on my nervous system to be told things like that and really hard on my heart because i really love people. And I really cared about the organization that I worked for and um, believed that they were my family. I didn't have the best family experience growing up. Um, Divorced parents who were just really emotionally unavailable. And I think I found myself in these Christian environments, these evangelical Christian spaces looking for the family that I never had. Um, And unfortunately, it turns out that these Environments and families were just as dysfunctional, if not more dysfunctional and abusive than my family was growing up. So I really like my mental health was deteriorating working in this Christian ministry environment. And eventually I couldn't do it anymore. Um, And on top of that, I fell in love with a boy. (laughs) Um, And that wasn't allowed. Um, nothing physical happened but some emotional attachment happened there and some emotional happened emotional attachment happened on his end towards me he also was same-sex attracted um he also liked guys um and to stay in that environment i and to stay being a christian i felt like i had to end my friendship and my relationship with him um, which was heartbreaking so I decided to leave this organization that I was working for because I felt really broken and confused and ashamed and like there was something wrong with me for having fallen in love with this guy so long story short I ended up signing up for this program to go to this heart school in North Carolina um, which was kind of advertised to me as like um these folks are like the most the most advanced Christians in the world of emotional health um and the people who ran this school were really famous worship leaders who um if anyone is a, a Christian um an evangelical Christian they have absolutely sang at least 12 of their songs on a Sunday morning service um and I had liked these people and had a lot of respect for them. And so I went to their heart school, hoping to find healing and really just found more heartbreak. Um, <clears throat> some of the, actually the most traumatic, terrible experiences that I've ever had in my life happened at this place um, where I was trying to go find healing from the harm that I experienced at this other Christian ministry. Um And so I spent three and a half years there um, looking for healing. Um, And I won't go too much into it. But the first week that I was there, I shared like, hey, I have some pain from this ministry that I just was at and was told like, no, you don't. You have pain from your childhood trauma that you're projecting onto this ministry that you used to work for. It's not them, it's you. But don't worry, we're going to love you and we can help you fix that um so my like one of my first experiences there was gaslighting and invalidation of my reality and shaming me and telling me that i was the problem um and i think i had so much shame from being gay all of my life (laughs) that when they like told me that i was the problem i i knew that it was true i knew that it was true that i was the problem um And so I stayed in that environment and allowed terrible mistreatment and allowed my mental health and emotional health to deteriorate to a awful, awful level. Um, And one day, I think I realized, because I was talking to people outside of the environment that I was in, I realized that I wasn't okay. And that my body and my nervous system literally couldn't stay in this environment anymore. And so I pulled the emergency brake and told them that I was leaving. And they told me, I put my two weeks notice in. They told me, you can't put put a two weeks notice in. It doesn't work like that. Um, We need to pray with you and consult with you to see if you leaving is going to be a good decision or not, because we're your spiritual covering. And we have to make sure that um you're making a good good decision because we're responsible for you um and so i left i was like i'm not having any more conversations about my spirituality or my soul i'm leaving at this time Um, which was i think the hardest thing i've ever done in my life mike because i was like 51 percent sure these people were harming me and 49% sure that I was the problem and that if I just listened to them, they could fix me. So that was really hard. And when I left, they kind of excommunicated me and never spoke to me again and started saying untrue things about me and sending emails to f- previous students that I had leadership over telling them not to listen to me anymore. Um. And that was March of 2022.
0: God so like not that long ago
1: that was not that long ago and so I left um broken-hearted and full of trauma and grief um and that was really the birth of my deconstruction journey um and really I had never thought about coming out <laughs> um or going on a date with a guy or embracing my sexuality before then um I think a narrative maybe went around of like Tyler left because he was gay. Um, And that's just not true. Um, I left because I was being harmed by the people that I loved and trusted the most in the world. Um, And yeah, when I left, I had all of this pain that I didn't know what to do with. And so. I started asking questions and deconstructing um, and my deconstruction journey, um, is what led me to finally start asking questions about my sexuality. Um, cause I, I, think I just had this feeling of like, man, these people that I loved and trusted in the name of Jesus and in the name of the Bible really, really harmed me and broke my heart. And if they were, if they were wrong, if they were harmful and abusive, in their understandings of the nature of god and of scripture i need to reevaluate the way that i think about god and the way that i think about scripture and if they were wrong about those things what else might they have been wrong about and i think because i like literally had crashed and was in the most pain that i'd ever been in my life i kind of felt like i had nothing left to lose and no one left to lose and that if i was ever going to ask big questions about God and spirituality and sexuality that was the time Um, so I want
0: to jump in on that real quick and just I didn't think about this you know just coming up as you're saying these things I want to acknowledge because like what you're describing I relate to you're not like you know what my life sucks and it's miserable anyway I might as well that's not the thought it's I have lost so much I've experienced such pain and like been cornered and like my options have been so reduced the thing that i've been so afraid of looking at or considering or whatever but that has been with me for as long as i can remember doesn't feel as threatening anymore because i've already suffered so much i maybe could look at that you know um it's not like a reaction to the the loss and pain it's the level of intensity that has come from how much pain you've experienced from that stuff kind of lessens the threat of the honesty that you've been avoiding your whole life right it's kind of how I absolutely you're describing you know and so in some ways this degree of rejection and suffering as awful and un- inappropriate and unjust as it is did provide some kind of catalyst for being able to face some things we had never had the willingness or the gumption or whatever to actually look at at least at that point would you say that was true for you
1: 100 yeah. because my greatest fear was If I ever date a boy or come out, everyone that I know and love is going to reject me. And that was just fear. And at that point in my life, everyone that I knew and loved had rejected me. And so it was almost like, okay, I've been avoiding asking this question or exploring here because I was afraid of losing. And now I have nothing left to lose. And so that fear isn't valid anymore. And so I allowed myself to open up the door to asking that question, not deciding I'm going to come out, not deciding I'm going to go on a date with a boy, not deciding any of that, but just deciding I'm going to look at this question with curiosity instead of fear for the first time in my life. And I'm going to open my heart to... Yeah, being curious instead of judgmental, to being open instead of closed-minded, and to listening to the perspectives of other people instead of staying stuck in my conservative Christian viewpoint. And I think a huge part of that for me was you coming out, Mike. Because yeah, I was would...
0: Can you tell me, I want to hear this. I don't know. You've probably told me, but I want to, I don't remember what all you
1: shared. So
0: when I came out publicly was, I want to know, like when that, whatever came across your
1: screen, what was that experience like? (laughs) So I was still in North Carolina at this ministry (laughs) that I'm talking about. Um, I was actually taking an online webinar from you. You were doing an online class about building wealth. oh nice wow um and so i was in the middle of the class and you had started posting these little like snippet stories of like this is happening and this is happening and this is happening in my life like throwback stories and you were like leading up to something and i was like oh damn it sounds kind of like this is leading up to him coming out and I think because of all of the internalized homophobia that I had, like like I would walk into a grocery store and if I saw a gay person or a gay couple, I would feel in my body like I can't be around them because I think I was so scared of like of anyone seeing me around someone gay because then they would think that I was gay and then that would make them think that I was different or wrong or bad. And so the, your whole process scared the shit out of me, Mike. <laughs> um, the initial reaction was like, oh, God, stop. What are you doing? And then when you made your announcement, I was like, damn, I should have seen it coming. And I think I felt betrayed. I felt betrayed because I was like, because I respected you and valued you so much in your voice and your truth. And then it was like, no, like now that Mike has come out, I can't have anything to do with him. And now I've lost Mike and like, but I really respected Mike and I trusted Mike, but now I can't have anything to do with him because if I do, then I'm bad and I'll get in trouble. And then people will think that I'm gay or something. And there's just all this fear of like protecting this part of myself that was so vulnerable and that had had so much shame projected on it so i i like i cried for a couple days mike it was hard and i had conversations with spiritual leaders in my environment and they were like yeah like what do you want to do and i was like i think i need to cut this guy out of my life and they're like yeah i think so too and so i quit the class that you're in and just totally um cut you off and unfollowed you on Instagram and I had people messaging me like hey like I know that you really respect Mike I saw his coming out post I'm so sorry okay I haven't heard any of this (laughs) (laughs) wow um and so I I just kind of ghosted you um because I felt like that was what I needed to do to protect myself And to put walls around my fear and my shame. Um, And after I left this place and started having conversations with God about all the things, um, I remembered that you had come out and that you talked about deconstructing. And I was like, "I I think what I'm doing right now is deconstructing. And I think I need to open myself up to the perspectives of other people that are deconstructing. And so I followed you back on Instagram and saw, began to see content from other people that you were posting from. Um, And it was really life-changing. And honestly, one of the more helpful things on my journey was finding you and then finding the new evangelicals and finding all of these other accounts that were sharing really beautiful deconstruction content um and so i think reconnecting with you and your story was a bridge into the deconstruction world which ended up bringing me a lot of hope and you know at first i was like you know i want to hear about deconstruction but not the sexuality thing um but eventually opened my heart to exploring that um and so it was in that time and in that journey that i realized like i i think i might want to hire mike as my coach and feeling like i think i think i did mike dirty like just quitting his class in the middle and not saying anything and um unfollowing him and so that's when i messaged you was i messaged you like hey
0: i apology. apologize i'm remembering now yeah, i'm yeah, sorry yeah. Yeah.
1: um and before i messaged you that i already had applied to do coaching with you on your website and i remember sending you an apology and you saw it and responded pretty quickly and i remember one of the things you said was like thank you i appreciate that a lot of people have ghosted me a lot of people have done what you did but i appreciate you saying this and i remember you saying like so what can i do for you tyler (laughs) and in the text i'd also shared like i'm struggling with my sexuality And I was like, and I would like to hire you as a coach. And so we did a little introductory call not long after that, and I hired you as a coach. and we've been working together since. Wow. You're As you're saying this up, the details are coming back. Yeah.
0: Some of those moments are, like, kind of hard to hold on to because there were so many of them, right? I forgot about the class. And, like, over half the class dropped when I did And I'm like, that probably wasn't setting me up for success, having this class and then coming out in the middle, right? That was probably not a great sure. move. In hindsight, I wouldn't have done that. But I think, anyway, so I forgot about all that. But you're right. That happened. And that was that was painful, you know, and whatever. But, um. Yeah, I respected that you at least owned it. You know, you like named and acknowledged how you had behaved. And, you know, I forgot all about that, but you're right. I remember it now. And that was helpful. Um, Okay, cool. So thanks for sharing all that, Tyler. Good to know. I want to step, like, shift the conversation into now, like, more focused on, like, the work that you've been doing, you You know. work, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay so like you know you're like hey I would like to have you as my coach and then obviously we jumped into stuff now I want to just kind of open up the part of the conversation where you can like share some of what you've like worked on what are things that like were difficult and challenging that you've had to face you know just whatever you would care to share about that process um and by the way hang on before we move on I just wanted to say this to people who are listening if you are listening to this episode this interview and you're in the closet right or maybe like a little bit you're if you're in and out of whatever you're not like out to people I don't want to pressure anyone ever to come out to anyone right like I'm not interested in doing that but I do want to just like acknowledge if you do decide to share the truth about who you are with people in the world and like release control over how you're perceived and like trying to avoid the negative consequences that come from people's bigotry and homophobia and whatever there obviously is negative consequence to choosing to, to be vulnerable and honest, but there's also really beautiful things. There are also really beautiful, important life-changing things. Part of the reason I came out publicly was because, and came out swinging, like I came out unapologetic and like fought, you know, nasty evangelical rhetoric that I'd been enslaved by my whole life. I did that for people like Tyler. I knew there were people like me who would not be able to find their way out of that sea of giants, right? They were surrounded by oppressors that were the people they looked up to. They had no fighting chance of finding a way out of their own imprisonment without some kind of something else, right? And so I was like, I'm going to be that something else because I needed some something else's and I had to go find them. And that was a terrifying reach, but I found them and was able to like humanize myself in my own eyes. I would like to be somebody who could be a something else for the people who can't find anything outside of the world they're living in. And, you know, here we are. Um, for, and that's not unique to me for what it's worth. And like, so Tyler has experienced the same thing, right? Like he came out and got to be a, something else for people in his world. Like this is so beautiful and important. So if you're listening to this and you're like considering, do I want to come out? Would that be worth it to me? Let me just acknowledge this is not the reason to do it. But should you choose to do that? There are people you can't even anticipate who are watching you, who are listening, who know you, you know, see your life. And your honesty and vulnerability is going to liberate them, is going to give them permission to step into truth and like alignment in themselves that they did not have permission to have before. And it's beautiful. It's not the reason and it's not, that that's not going to be worth it in and of itself, but it is a beautiful byproduct that is so necessary for other people's liberation. So I just want to put that into your consideration as you like process through that, that will
1: also be part of the experience. All
0: right, Tyler, pick it up.
1: 100% agree with that. Yeah. Um, so I'll never forget our first coaching session. <laughs> we we're on zoom and you're just like, Tyler, catch me up on everything that's happened since I saw you last. And don't forget to talk about just my coming out journey and how that's affected you and where you're at with your sexuality. So I shared with you in more detail in some ways about some of my experiences at the camp and the heart school. Um, And I was like, Mike, I, I do have this whole sexuality thing and I'm asking questions about it. And I've been having conversations with God about it, but if it's okay, I think I'd just like to talk about like the spiritual trauma I've experienced. Like, let's start there. And then maybe once we work through all of that and I get some healing there, maybe we can talk about my sexuality afterwards. (laughs) And to me, I'm like, you know, maybe, maybe my sexuality is a product of trauma that i have and like maybe if i work through that trauma maybe my sexuality will resolve itself that was what i had been told in the evangelical spaces that i was in not sure how many people are familiar with messages like that Um, but i was told like hey if you get healed from your pain and get mother and father figures in your life and heal your male attachment wounds you'll be straight and you can marry a woman and then god will like you and you can have a happy life um so for me that's
0: what what i was told my whole life as well
1: okay great i mean not great terrible Um, (laughs) and so i brought that belief system into our coaching of like let's just talk about my spiritual trauma and if my sexuality isn't fixed by the time we get done then we can talk about sexuality too Uh, Do you remember what you said to that, Mike? Don't. You, You said something to the effect of, let me just repeat back to you what I'm hearing you say, Tyler. What I'm hearing you say is you would like to take a very important, essential part of your life, your sexuality and your attractions and shove them in the closet and keep them there and ignore them and pretend like it doesn't exist and talk about this part of your life without talking about this part of your life. And just like you think, that's going to work like hiding and suppressing a part of yourself. Like, how do you think that's going to go for you, Tyler? And I was like, damn, I think you're right, Mike. Like, if we're going to talk about it, like, I can't just ignore my attractions and my sexuality and my masculinity and my femininity and all of who I am. Like, let's talk about it all together. Um, and so we started having conversations and I shared with you, like about this encounter that I had with God. Where I was angry with God and was like, God, I, I feel so pissed that I never got to choose if I'm gay or not. Because I grew up in a family that was really intense. Like, I remember television was on Will and Grace was on, I think NBC. And my grandpa was like, Nothing is on TV, just this gay show. Gay people are terrible. If anyone in our family was ever gay, like, I'd shoot them. So rhetoric like that of like, you're going to be harmed, you're going to be abandoned, was in my family, my super conservative Christian evangelical part of my family around queerness. So being gay was never an option. Um, Even like when I got caught watching gay porn, fessing up to what was actually happening was never an option because I just knew that it would be the worst thing that ever happened. And i had a gay like second cousin who would come out and he was just shamed and ridiculed and talked down about by our family Of we need to pray for him so being gay was never felt like an option for me ever in life um and i felt anger about that and ended up having this conversation with god where i was like god i feel angry that i never got to choose
0: and let me just take a moment to acknowledge i know you just said this and moved on and this this part of the world that I'm in just blows my mind. Because people listen to this who maybe weren't raised, who weren't gay, probably are like, oh my God, what? Like, can you imagine someone in your family, like the patriarch, right? Seeing someone like you and then claiming if he found out that you were like this, he would kill you. Like, that sounds so extreme that it can't be true. And it's absurd, right? But like, this stuff happens and it is traumatizing. It is like identity altering, right? It like changes your relationship with yourself because you have to survive. Like that is so intense and impactful. And you just said it like it's a thing and we moved on, but I'm like, damn, dude, that's so intense and awful. Like no one should ever experience that, especially at that age, right? With being in that position of impressionability and dependence like that is terrifying i just want to acknowledge that thanks yeah
1: appreciate you pausing there i was eight (laughs) i was like eight and nine when that stuff was happening Uh... um and so as someone who's committed to doing the work of healing and going this wholehearted journey and realizing that like i can only be as spiritually mature as i am emotionally mature um that i had to do this work of facing those feelings and telling those stories The anger came up for me, and I just was angry with God, and had this moment where I felt like God spoke back to me and was like, "Tyler, like, of course you have a choice. Like, you know that my nature is love and freedom, and that I give permission and choice." And to that, I was just was like, "But it's not a choice if one answer is right and one answer is wrong. Like, it's not a choice if this is sin and this is good. Like." That's not really a choice. And I just had this moment where I felt like God just spoke to me and was like, Tyler, just pretend that you don't know all this stuff about theology that you know, and just pretend that I'm your dad for a second. Pretend that I'm your dad, the dad that you would have wanted, and that you were 10, 11, 12, 13, realizing that you like guys for the first time. How would you have wanted that conversation to go? And um, I just kind of was taken into like a visiony kind of thing. Like it, it was it wasn't as much me controlling or saying stuff anymore. I just pictured like me in a room as a teenager with this guy who was this perfect dad who was God. And me being like, I, I think I like boys and maybe girls, too. And I'm not sure what to do about that. And I felt this like compassionate response from this being, being like, okay, thanks for telling me, like, it's okay. It's not, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's not a big deal. And me being like, but it is the worst thing. I'm not supposed to feel this way. And I don't know what to do. And this person, this father responded to me and was like, what, what do you want to do? And my response was like, I mean, and I felt like embarrassed to say this, or I I felt this embarrassment inside of me of like, I mean, I kind of want to go on a date with a guy and see what it feels like. And this figure responded and was like, okay, I think you should go for it. What else? And I saw myself saying like, I kind of want to kiss a guy too and see what that feels like. And then this father, like I saw him kind of smile and be like, great, I think that you should go and do both of those things and then come back and let's talk about it. And so I had that moment that felt in the moment, like an encounter with God. And then afterwards I was like, that could never be God. I just talked to Satan himself. I am a <laughs> Satan. I'm mentally ill. I have problems, but I couldn't shake it and ended up sharing that story with Uh, a a friend of mine who's a married couple um and when i shared that story with them it turns out that they are affirming christians and they were the first affirming christians that i'd ever met in my life and i didn't know that anyone was really like that who wasn't a crazy liberal who lives in new york city or something um and i was like okay i i kind of feel like maybe god said that to me and they were like we kind of feel like maybe god told you that too And I remember in our coaching session, I told you that story. And you were like, well, it doesn't sound like I need to give you any homework. It sounds like God has already given you homework. So I think that what God told you, you need to go do. (laughs) And so that was my first assignment from you slash from God was finding a boy to go on a date with. and like experiencing going on a date with a guy um and so i went on a blind date with a guy that was fine it ended up I, it was someone i didn't know who it was had not seen a picture of him beforehand showed up on the date didn't feel any attraction towards him um but we had a good conversation um and we actually have stayed friends which is really cool me and blind date guy um and i went on my first date with a guy and then I think you encouraged me to get on Hinge, like, hey, if you want to go on a date, try a dating app. And so I downloaded Hinge and sent some likes to some guys and matched with this really cool guy um, and went on to date with him to Frothy Monkey. <laughs> um, and um, he ended up being my first kiss. <laughs> um which was one of the happier moments that I've ever experienced in life was my first kiss like Mike this was my first kiss first kiss like never kissed a girl like the first person that I ever like had a real kiss with was this guy um and it felt incredible and I'll never forget like after going on a first date And then after meeting this guy and after my kiss i kind of like was like i i should feel bad right now i should feel guilty or ashamed and i didn't and like i think the narrative was always if you ever go on a date with a guy or kiss a guy or have this thing or that thing you're going to feel so disconnected from god and you're going to feel disconnected from yourself and you're going to feel like you'd send and it's going to be the worst thing ever you're going to hate yourself And it wasn't true, Mike, for me, for me, at least it wasn't true. What did you feel? Happy, (laughs) vulnerable, authentic, like myself. Like there's these parts of myself that I've hidden for so long that I'm getting to rediscover. And I remembered kind of like what I felt like God had told me of like, come back and let's have a conversation about this. And in each of those moments, I kind of had a moment where I just paused and was like, God, how are you feeling about all this right now? And I, I didn't feel like a voice speak clearly necessarily, but in each of those moments after having these first experiences, I felt like peace and joy and almost like a picture of like, I don't know this this is kind of silly but like I saw this picture in my head each of those times of like the angels in heaven throwing confetti and celebrating and dancing and having a party after those moments and I felt like God was proud of me and it it just reminded me then it still reminds me now of like how our faith is pleasing to God um and I've I've heard people in our environment say like felt that faith is spelled R I S K, um, and faith faith is trust and action, and me taking those risks and trusting myself and trusting God, I felt the pleasure of God um, over me in each of those moments and. I think in so many of the integral moments of my journey um that i felt the pleasure of god Um, and i think in those moments i was like i'm ready to start sharing with people this journey that i'm on so i started coming out to the safest people that i could find (laughs) um and i kind of found out that so many of the people that I knew and love trusted me. Um, and I found out like, wow, I actually know quite a lot of affirming Christians, apparently. Um, and there were hard moments and the coming out journey was not easy <laughs> at all. Um, but there have been so many moments of feeling loved and accepted. And honestly, maybe the most loved and accepted and seen and embraced by people that I ever have in my entire life um and i felt i'm feeling more and more reconnected to myself and more authentic and real and human and i mean all of this is happening in the midst of healing from some of the greatest grief and trauma that, that i've ever experienced in my life um and that's been heartbreaking um and my deconstruction journey has been painful and people's responses to my deconstruction journey have been painful And people's responses to my coming out have been so hard. But this has been one of the most important, if not the most important things that I've ever done in my life is accepting my sexuality, accepting myself, deconstructing and coming out. And I am beyond grateful for all of this and... I'm grateful for the way that I'm coming to know myself and the way that I'm coming to know God. I wouldn't take it back or change it. And yeah, I'm grateful. It's been hard and I'm grateful and I like who I'm becoming, Mike.
0: Nice. I love that. Oh, it's beautiful. And there are obviously so many directions. I have like a bunch of things I'd love to ask you, but for the sake of time, I'm going to move this forward. Um, Thank you for sharing that. It's beautiful. Yeah. I like who you're becoming as well. Um, okay, so I want to ask from notes of, from the road for you, things that you experienced, encountered, had to like work through, whatever. If there are people listening who are considering coming out, right? Because you ended up coming out publicly. like
1: I did on my birthday in September. How was and that? Wanting to do it for a while. I was like, I kind of want to come out in pride month. Um, and I just wasn't ready yet. Um, and I think I would told you, like, it'd be so much easier to come out if, like, I had a partner. Um, and then I ended up finding a boyfriend for the summer, <laughs> <laughs> which having a boyfriend and falling in love. Um, maybe was like the last piece that i needed in my personal puzzle of being like no nah, i'm 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 queer i'm gay uh this is this is beautiful and it's a beautiful part of my life and um and i want to embrace this and the relationship that i had um really helped me get to a place where i was like yep yep definitely definitely <laughs> gay <laughs> and also just like being in a relationship helped me realize like that being in a relationship could be so beautiful and holy and amazing and what i wanted and it just was really solidifying in my soul of like yes i'm ready to come out i'm ready to tell the world and i want i want i want to marry a man and live life with him forever and i'm ready to like abandon all of my fear and shame and begin pursuing that. Because I've like the first, especially like four, five, six, seven weeks of being in a relationship with this boy, this man, we're like maybe the happiest I've ever been in my life. And I want to experience that forever, Mike. (laughs) That relationship ended um and there were some not so great parts of it that were really heartbreaking at the end of it but like all of the beautiful and healthy things i want to find again and experience forever with another human and so that that was the last thing that i needed to experience for me before i felt confident in coming out publicly um and i'm glad that i did
0: yeah amazing it's beautiful Oh, thanks for sharing that. Okay, so I want to know, like, if there's someone listening who, you know, at whatever point in their journey, they're in the closet, considering coming out, considering just talking to somebody, whatever. Um, And there's obviously a journey ahead. Or, you know, maybe somebody is on that journey at whatever point in the process. What are some notes from the road that you've taken? What are some pieces of advice? What are some lessons you've learned? Right. Like if you could talk to Tyler a year ago, you know, or whatever, like what are things you would share? Like, hey, this is important. Do this. Don't do this. I would be, you know, like whatever comes up for you. I just would love to know what comes out of that for you.
1: Well, I did it all scared, Mike. Every step of the journey, every new like moving towards embracing my sexuality or asking questions about it. I was scared every moment. And so I would say do it all scared like it's the only way to do it is scared um and if you're if you're if i'm afraid of it if you're afraid of it you're you're probably never going to not be afraid of it um and it's a beautiful opportunity to be vulnerable and to choose to be courageous um and so i'd say do it scared because that's the only way that it's ever going to get done and i think for me I've had to shed layers of perfectionism of like, there's a right way to do this. And I can do this perfectly. And if I do this the right way, then more people will understand. If I do this the right way, then maybe my non-affirming friends will become affirming. Um, And I'd say that desire to do things the right way, a lot of that was perfectionism. And a lot of that was just fear of rejection and abandonment. and a desire to find some semblance of control in the journey. And I'd say I did the best that I could in my part of the journey, but I think I would would encourage people like you're not gonna do this perfectly Um, and people are gonna be upset and hurt and offended. Don't do things on purpose to hurt or upset or offend people. But do be you. And if people are hurt and upset and offended about that, that's ultimately their responsibility. Their reaction to me being honest and truthful um, is not my responsibility. My responsibility is to be authentic and honest and tell the truth and share my story and ask questions. Um, I think fear and shame held me back so much. And I was still... Am fighting through layers of fear and shame to set myself free. Um, and that I think is just part of the journey. Um, and I think I would just recommend to people like, to find the courage to ask the questions. I think for me, I was so scared about where the journey would end. Um, that the journey would end in me being a gay man and living in sin and this and that. I'm like, what if I just ask the one question that I'm afraid to ask right now? What if I just have one conversation right now? I don't need to be so like, where am I going to end up and what's going to happen and what are people going to do? Just like take the next step, share, share your story with one person, be vulnerable and brave about one thing. Um, Have a coming out conversation with one person that you really trust and that you know is going to be safe. Um, And then at each step in my journey, I would say, like, when I took a step, the next step presented itself to me. Um, And so just one step at a time, one courageous, authentic decision at a time um, has led me to finding myself.
0: Wow. I love that. Um, Okay. So a question I want to ask you is like, what is something you wish you would have known at the beginning? What is something you wish you would have understood or gotten from the get-go that would have been really helpful? Hmm.
1: I wish that I would have known um, different ways of viewing and understanding the Bible. I wish that I would have like had more diverse theological perspectives and understood that like fundamentalist evangelicalism is not the only way of being spiritual or being religious or following Jesus. Um, Like evangelicalism is um, a very popular (laughs) American way of following Jesus. Um, but there are so many people that love God and that care about God and care about um, making the world a better place and loving and serving people outside of fundamentalist, conservative evangelicalism. And I had no idea. And I wish that I had had the opportunity to be exposed to other viewpoints, other understandings on the interpretation of the Bible, other interpretations of um the authority of scripture, um, in our lives. I think had I felt free in my understanding of who God was and what God was like earlier, it would have been the most liberating thing. Um, because my, my journey with my sexuality has been in tandem with my deconstruction journey and my theology journey. Um, and the way that I've arrived to where I am right now is because My relationship with God is still important to me. You guys might have noticed that throughout our interview so far. And my belief, my hope in this is like that God is fully affirming of me and my queerness and that my gayness um, was designed by God and that I represent part of the nature and character and goodness and love of God by me being myself, including me being a queer man. Um, and I didn't know that there were interpretations or understanding of Bi- of the Bible or God that could ever bring me to a place of thinking that that could be an option. And for most, you know, you mentioned that, you know, me coming out has been able to maybe be a gift to other people. I think the thing that people have been most impacted by when I've shared anything of my journey with them is like that there is a way of understanding God, that God not only would be okay with me or you or someone else being gay but that he would be celebratory of it it would be part of his design um, and that queerness is a part of the beauty of who god is like being exposed to queer theology and more diverse belief systems like if you're listening to this and all that you know is evangelicalism there are other really beautiful ideas inside and outside of the Christian faith tradition um, that feel a lot like freedom and love and hope um, in ways that to me evangelicalism felt like control and fear and shame. And having beliefs that feel like hope and freedom and love and dignity feel a lot more like who I know God to be and who I really, really hope that God is like. I can't tell you with certainty, but I can tell you with faith of I know God to be affirming and loving and kind and celebratory of diversity. Um, And I wish that everyone knew that and was open to experiencing a God that was like that And was willing to let go of their fear and their control and their shame to experience a God that might be like that.
0: Wow. I'm getting emotional. I learned my God. Oh, wow. Thank you for sharing. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Thanks. I'm I mean, proud of you. yeah, I just because of, you've done so much work, you know, of like, because you were so deeply entrenched, you weren't just like an evangelical, you were like an evangelical leadership it, for oh, yeah. years of your life at multiple institutions, you know, like it was so deeply ingrained. So like to know that, and I like, have been with you
1: that process and hear you now, I'm like, God, what a journey. And I didn't even share this part just because there's so much to share. But like, I was kind of the poster boy for conversion therapy like I was given a microphone and put on stages and talked about purity and if God saved me from homosexuality he can save you from anything like if God can make me straight he can set you free from porn or whatever it is and I was like spokesperson for purity and for God changing people's sexualities and I think I did that because maybe it was the only way that I could talk about my sexuality and feel some sort of celebration. And and I talked about those things because if I didn't talk about them, I think I would have died in some light. And the attention and celebration that I got for getting free of homosexuality, I think, met some need somewhere. And I apologize for that. I've reached back out to people that have heard me give those talks and am trying to clean up some of the messes that I made. That was a survival thing for me, and it was wrong. Um, And it was true to me in the moment. Like, I don't feel like I was intentionally standing up there and lying to people. Um, But it was suppression and coping and survival. And um, yeah, I, I definitely became a celebrated person, a Christian celebrity in the worlds that I was a part of and in this city that I was in. Um, and so laying all of that down um, to be myself has been quite, quite the journey. And there's still so much grief associated with all of it. And I feel very much in the midst of it. I do not feel like I've arrived anywhere. And I'm grateful for the journey. And i'm healing and still trying to figure out what to do with my religious trauma and spiritual abuse and still trying to figure out what to do with some messages that people sent to me after my coming outpost and i'm healing and i'm doing the freaking thing and it's hard and it's messy and it's beautiful and i wouldn't trade it for anything and i feel like i suck at it sometimes and sometimes i just feel really depressed and play playstation for hours <laughs> and sometimes I feel great. And I think it's part of trauma and um, loss and grief. Um, I'm figuring it out and I'm doing the best that I can. And I have good days and I have bad days and I'm a freaking human. So I, I love having this opportunity to remember like all the beautiful moments and how far I've come Um and I would never want anyone to listen to me share my story and be like, wow, Tyler, he's really arrived on his journey. I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> Still fighting for my life out here, but it's a good fight. It's a good, good fight. And I'm I'm grateful for where I'm at in my journey. And I'm grateful for the day that I feel way more healed than I feel right now. <laughs>
0: Totally. I love that. Wow. Okay. I want to ask one more question. I think we'll land this plane. Um, Not everyone chooses to go this route. Why did you enlist a coach for your process? And why do you still have one?
1: I couldn't have done this by myself, Mike. Um, having a coach and having like people in a community around me um, on this journey has been absolutely essential um there's uh an influencer speaker that i like his name is simon sinek and he talks about how courage is not something that we can find in ourselves that courage is something that we get from others and i've really found that to be true of like Other people being with me and being like, you can do this. I believe in you, um, has been essential for me. People who are like, Hey, so God told you to go on a date with a boy and to kiss a boy and see what it feels like. If you really believe that was God, I need you to go do it. Like God is your life coach, Tyler. And I'm like, great God. I do feel like God told me that I believe, I believe that he told me that. So you holding me accountable and, um, sharing your own experiences and feeling not alone in this journey has been the biggest thing. So I would say for anyone listening, absolutely hire a coach, hire Mike, hire someone like him if he's all booked up (laughs) um, and find as many people as possible who you feel safe with to do this with. Um, I mean, the whole idea behind trauma is that there's a feeling that we felt and we were all alone in that feeling. And the aloneness is the problem here. Um, And I I wouldn't want anyone to go on this journey alone because I don't think you can. Um, There's not enough courage that you can find in yourself to do it by yourself. I couldn't at least. Like we need people with us and being able to have a session with you and cry about things that were terrible and being able to have a session with you and be like, Mike, I'm in love. (laughs) I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. Like, sharing the joy and sharing the heartbreak has been necessary and crucial so and having you on the journey with me of having already walked through these things knowing what things were like and having empathy to be able to be like yep i know that feeling i've experienced that before this is what i did might not work for you um what what do you feel like you need to do in this situation when you're getting hate comments on your coming out post um i needed help yeah i needed a community and i needed a coach and still need a coach because there's still stuff that we're walking through as i process through like what does it look like for me to leave evangelicalism behind what does it look like for me to confront my abusers and be honest with how they affected me that stuff that i'm walking through right now and it's all inextricably tied to my coming out journey because me coming out as a queer person was one thing. And then me coming out as a progressive Christian is another thing. And me coming out as like someone who's experienced abuse and heartbreak um, is another thing. Me coming out and telling the full story of who I am is important. And I need help with that because it's the scariest shit that I've ever done.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Same. Totally. Love it. Thanks, Tyler. It's awesome. And we just, I think let's both take a moment and acknowledge all of the people in our corners who were there for us and with us in coming out to ourselves, holding us and all of those emotional, intense moments, the coming out experience, being with us through that process. Like you and I both have had people in our, in our world who have like been with us. And yeah, I agree. Like we could not have done this on our own for sure. So if you're listening, you know who you are. We both are so thankful for you and appreciate you and love you.
1: And thanks for being my coach, Mike. You've changed my life.
0: Oh, God, of course. My Love pleasure. You. Oh, thank you. Tom. Oh God.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. Listen, we gotta land this plane. <laughs> Enough. Oh, my heart. Oh um, Tyler, thanks for doing this interview with me. Thank you for sharing opening your life to all of the strangers on the internet. Um, your experience, your story, your journey is. A beautiful example of someone choosing themselves when they've been told for decades not to. Um, So, yeah, thank you for opening that up and sharing because you don't have to. You don't owe this to anybody. We appreciate you sharing that. Um, That's my honor to be your coach. I'm so proud of you. You do such great work at just like caring for yourself and like responsibly, like facing the scariest stuff, which is us, right? Like you have such an uncanny ability to just be incredibly honest. And I just comment you repeatedly. I am just like, I admire that ability you have to just like call yourself out and tell it like it is and sit in the emotion in front of someone else. It's just really impressive. And anyway, so yes, thank you, Tyler, for being here. Um, everyone, if you are queer and you are like genuinely considering, maybe I could be this way and not have to hate myself, not have to live a, a part, part of a life. Tyler and I would both like to just say to you that is absolutely true you do not have to live a partial life you can be fully yourself and there are people in the world who will catch you who will love you who will see you who will support you there are people in the world who will reject you and hate you for it and all that but there are more of us who will care for you and we are way more vigilant about our willingness to show up there than your haters will be at chasing you down so for what it's worth there's life on the other side you can be free do the work find your life find yourself come out we want you to be free um and then of course yes please no my coaching is available if I'm all booked up I have other type of people on my team who can work with you um that's available there's a link below to check out stuff there um but the point of all this is you do not have to be stuck there are options there is opportunity there are people in the world who will love you and one of the main ways you're going to find them is by being honest oh god it is the worst thing you ever do, and it'll be the most important, most beautiful thing you'll ever experience. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. Anyway, so everyone, thanks for being here. Tyler, thank you again for being here, um, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Listen, there's more where this came from. If you want to dive deeper, check out MikeMaiashiro.com.